I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... I mean, when we were created, too, the thing is, a lot of existing organizations were all about, you know, shamrock shalalas, green beer, little girls with red hair running through fields. We are not that Irish America. This is about a contemporary relationship with an island that has to do with business and culture and education. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. What's Working in Washington? I'm your host, Mark Walsh. Today, we're really excited to have an old friend join us in the studio. It's Trina Varga. She is the founder and president of the U.S.-Ireland Alliance. They do something called, amongst many other things, the Mitchell Scholarship, which I would argue is as cool or maybe cooler than a Rhodes Scholarship. They send very talented young men and women over for a year at a number of higher educational institutions in Ireland. Trina's been doing this for 25 years. She was working for Ted Kennedy, and she figured out this was a great way to increase and strengthen the relationships between America and Ireland, and she's done it like nobody else. It's a fantastic organization that now has 280 alumni who are in leadership positions around the world. I'm a big fan. Here's our conversation. Trina, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Mark. It's been a long time since I've seen you. It's been a long time. So I used to brag about your efforts, your organization, and the outcomes as saying it's America's Rhodes Scholars. But that, to me, was dismissive because it says we're a little bit less than the old Rhodes Scholars. In fact, I think what you're doing is far more impressive. So tell our listeners, A, how you started 25 years ago. Right. Teaser there. Right. Um, What is the typical outcome and how it's grown over the years? Well, I was uh, Ted Kennedy's foreign policy advisor in the mid-90s. He was Irish. He was Irish. Last time I Very checked. Irish, yeah. which is how I was spending so much time doing Ireland, and got heavily involved in the Northern Ireland peace process, yeah. um, getting Jerry Adams a visa and everything. George that, Mitchell. That, that George yeah. Mitchell, everything that came from that. And then uh, after the Good Friday Agreement was achieved, the peace process in Northern Ireland in 1998, I noticed when we were trying to get Jerry Adams a visa, I was constantly coming up against people who had been to Oxford on the roads who were trying to block the effort. And I really? Uh, yeah, really. There are a lot of people in the I mean, well, he didn't try to block the effort. He obviously gave the the scholar he gave the the visa, but Bill Clinton was a Rhodes Scholar. And yes. lots of people around him were Rhodes Scholars. And I just wondered why can't we get people who are interested in Ireland to maybe go there and study for a year as opposed to going to necessarily Oxford or Cambridge. Yep. So after we had the Good Friday Agreement achieved, I said to Senator Kennedy um, that I was going to leave him to start this. And it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't a foreign idea to him because for years he had always said to me, after the Irish prime minister would leave or somebody would leave a meeting, and he would always say, despite being Irish himself, the Irish never get their act together like Jewish Americans do and Greek Americans do. And what are they going to do when we're not around anymore? And he mm. was talking about that generation of Kennedy, Foley, Tip O'Neill, yeah. Pat Moynihan, exactly. uh, all those people who are Irish American who are in positions of leadership and power in Congress. He, he could see far enough ahead that that was going to fade. So I left him then, started the scholarship, uh, the idea being which could we get American postgraduates to go and study on the island of Ireland for a year. I got very lucky in that Bertie Ahern, who was then the prime minister of the country, I pitched the idea to him, and he quickly got it, yeah. and he said, we're in. And then I also pitched it to Mo Molum, who was the secretary of state for Northern Ireland, who was a fantastic woman, no longer with us. Uh, it's 25th anniversary this year, actually, the Good Friday Agreement. She was heavily involved. And she got the British government involved in it, and it started from there. The British government got involved. 
the British government got involved. So they saw the story, they saw the value for obviously. the for the for the uh, for the purpose of the um, the universities in Northern Ireland. There are two universities up there, and you can go to any university on the island. So the folks you choose each year can go to any university in the entire island of Ireland. Yes, correct. And they can study anything they want, and they don't even have to be Irish American. And it's become you were asked, you know, how it's doing. It's become so successful over the number of years that. Of the number of people who have just been lucky enough to have to choose between an interview for the Rhodes or the Mitchell, more have actually broken for the Mitchell Scholarship to go to Ireland. Fantastic. Yeah. Love that. Wow. So, spoiler alert, I have attended a couple of your parties at the Irish Embassy here in Washington, D.C. for the folks who've been chosen. If you ever felt, if one ever needed to feel like a slacker, exactly, <laughs> you would just hang around with them for just a little bit. We always and, say I'd have never won one. Yeah. I mean, this crazy yeah. productivity and social uh, impact commitment and business commitment and gubernatorial or go government leadership commitment. H how do you, first of all, who chooses? How do you solicit applicants, I guess I should say, to start? Who chooses and what are some of the ratios? The nice thing now is it's known enough that we don't have to really advertise for it. When I started, very kindly, the guy who, who runs the roads gave me his contacts into all the universities across the country because he said, you won't be competitive with us for ah. years. He was, he was being very generous. And yeah. these, you know, I joke about it, but these things aren't at all competitive. There's so many great students. Yeah. The more scholarships, the better is my attitude. Um, so we so we had the list that way. And the requirements are, besides obviously are expecting that you can perform academically when you're abroad, um, you have to have leadership service. We care about ambassadorial um, qualifications, you know, that you'll – Somebody's going to want to invite you to dinner in Ireland is sort of always my test. Uh, but that you're whatever you do in life, you're going to give back and hopefully remain connected to the island um, and, and the organization. But right now we get over there are probably over 300 applications in any given year. So Jeez. you really you have less of a chance percentage wise. You know, it's easier to get into Harvard than to win a Mitchell. Yeah. Um, so it's that difficult. Now, we do we try to do other things because, you know, I think of the students all the time, and it's a huge burden to apply for something. And by the way, you can apply up to the age of 30. But to apply for something that you think you only have a 3%, 4% chance of getting, um, one of the things that we do is we say to them, check this box if you allow us to share your CV with the Irish universities. Check this box if we can share your CV with sponsors. So like a smart sponsor who's looking for young talent – will say, I'll sponsor, and then I can get, you know, a group of CVs. And it's, they're always, it's always so difficult because at a lot of universities, the universities have to endorse a candidate. So University of Pennsylvania one year told me they had like 50 students that wanted to be nominated by the university for the Mitchell Scholarship. They know I can only take, you know, I want three or four, but I don't want 50 from any university. You would never be able to read all those applications. So there are tons of people who are applicants, who are fabulous, who just aren't going to win the Mitchell, but hopefully we can help steer them. And, and by the way, I know one day we're going to look back. Somebody's going to be in some amazing position of power who's going to say, yeah, I didn't win the Mitchell. Yeah, and, <laughs> Jimmy and, Carter didn't win the Rhodes, but exactly. he still became president, which is an important thing, too, to say to, to young people who apply. You want them to apply. And even if I always say to them, even if you don't receive the scholarship, it will in no way stop you from doing anything you're going to do anyhow. Exactly. Um, Jimmy Carter became president. Uh, Warren Buffett was turned down by Harvard, as I recall. I mean, so, there's there's yes. a million stories yes. like this, but it's always to me it's sort of good branding that you were you know it's kind of like hey I, yes, I, I wanted yes, it a lot yes, yes. and I didn't get it and I, you know maybe it drove my engine a little harder to become 
something well, you know, fabulous. You know, he's publicly on the record because there's a story in the New York Times. Stephen Schwartzman started this scholarship for China. Yeah. And he said one of the reasons he did it, it was he was so annoyed that he didn't win a Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's called the Mitchell Scholarship. Yes. Tell us why it's named that way. Because the year I started the scholarship was the year that the Good Friday Agreement was achieved and George Mitchell was the um, the chairman of the talks in Northern Ireland. And it just seemed a fitting thing. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, we were just talking about women in these things earlier. I wasn't of the mind to think, well, I'll just name it after myself. So it's who could I name it after? And I thought, well, George Mitchell's just achieved this. I should, you know, we should put his name on it. That's the voice of Trina Vargo. She is our guest today on What's Working in Washington. She is the founder and president of the U.S.-Ireland Alliance. who does a lot of things. We're focusing on the Mitchell Scholarship, which I would argue is better and more important and more productive than the Rhodes Scholarship. But let's go to George Mitchell for a moment. Um, I've interacted with, a lot with him. He's one of the co-founders of the Bipartisan Policy Center, where I'm oh, on the, yes. board of, yes. the board of directors and was chair for a while. Huge fan of the senator. How do you think he did it? I mean, he, he clearly untied a Gordian knot that had been on, going on for a long time. Well, I think he would say, and he has said, he was just in Northern Ireland for the 25th anniversary events, and he always gives credit to the the party leaders that were there. On one hand, and I think, you know, when you think about the Middle East a lot and Northern Ireland, I think the thing in Northern Ireland was that people were ready to end it. And so when people are ready to end it, sort of all the possibilities open up. And Senator Mitchell has said repeatedly it had a lot to do with the – with the party leaders, but I also think, you know, he does have this talent for just sort of sitting there and quietly listening. Yeah. He, he did, you know, he didn't sort of look to insert, I, I have the template for how it should be. Jeez, he was, like so many other senators. Like so many he? other, yeah. He was just saying, you know, he was listening to everybody and letting everybody have their say. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he put up with a lot more than most of us, I mean, would have thrown their hands up. Now, toward the end, he did get to the point where he said, if this isn't done by this date, I'm finished. Yeah. Um, See you later. Uh, yeah, because it did it did drag on for quite a long period of time. So that must have added some urgency to the behavior. Yeah, I I, I, one would hope. Yes. Yeah. So the Mitchell Scholarship it's a it's a one year program. Yes. There they go. Yes. And they can choose any school. Do you have recommendations, or does the institution your institution have recommendations based upon their interest, or is well, it up to them? It, it's up. To, it's sort of up to them. What we do is we say rank order schools, say one through five schools and programs that you are willing to go to. Oh, they tell you. Okay. And then and then we choose the final one. And a lot of times it's for reasons that they cannot. Um, expect. So for example, say you want to go to a certain university because a professor is there yeah. and we know that professor's on sabbatical that year. Yeah. And we might think, well, this the second choice is a better choice for you. So we take a lot of things into consideration and also including how past students viewed the programs. Ah. So, you know, every year at the middle of their year and the end of the year, we ask the current scholars, what did you like? What didn't you like about your schools and your programs? And that might have, a, you know, if we hear three years in a row that a student went to a certain program and they thought it was awful, we're going to think twice before the next student goes into that program. So it's, yeah. it's a, it constantly varies and changes. So that example you gave of Professor A at School B on sabbatical, would you then, you would tell the, if, if the person won a scholar, was a chosen, would you say, we're giving you the second choice and here's why? A lot of times we do. Uh, yeah. You know, they're, they're willing when they list, they're basically saying to us, I'd go to any of these and you choose. And sometimes too, I mean, it varies, but I'm not really wild about sending everybody to the same school. Absolutely. Or there's a bunch of things that go into play. And so, for example, while you might – there are schools that you can only go to one university. So, for example, right now we have a student at University College Dublin who is studying space technology. She's already had a 
program and she's going to MIT next year for a PhD. I've heard of and, it. You know, yeah. it's, you know, she's very good in space and science. She couldn't have gone anywhere else in the island. So she's going to get UCD. Understood. But then you might have somebody who can study, say, political science at any one of four schools. Trinity, yeah. So you might send somebody to somewhere else. So it's, it's, it's also you're thinking about the whole class yeah. as well as what they want to study. So the legendary elements of Rhodes have always been, at least I've always sort of from afar, and just for the record, I did not apply for Rhodes Scholar and was not turned down. But if I had, I would <laughs> yeah. have been turned down, I believe me. But anyway, the, me too. is the relationships that they build, Americans going over there. So famously, Strobe Talbot and President Bill Clinton. Yes. Uh, Walter Isaacson, I guess, actually got to know Bill Clinton through the application process, as he famously will tell you repeatedly. But the idea of who you're with and then it, you you join a network of people forever. Have you seen that happen with absolutely, your Mitchell Scholars? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, one of the reasons that students have told us that they've taken our scholarship and our, our interview over others is because we have a class of 12 people every year. Yep. And I know everybody always thinks bigger's better, and people always say to me, why don't you send 40 people? But when you have 12 people, not only did they get to know each other, but people will do things for them on the island. So somebody will have them over for, th my friends have them over for Thanksgiving dinner. Somebody nice. else will bring them into the parliament. You can put 12 on a coach, go yeah. somewhere in the middle of the country and climb a mountain. Yeah. You can't do that when you have 40 and 50 people. Agreed. So they, that, you know, they, they form um, not only the connections within their class, but we're trying to do more and more. We now have about 280 Mitchell Scholars overall. I was going to ask for the math. Yeah, okay. and so you're trying to also say, well, here's a, you know, a writer in this class, and here's a writer three years ago. They need to meet. Combo. So I spent a lot of time yeah. connecting people across classes wow. um, to try to build that kind of a Now, one of the features you mentioned a moment ago was ambassadorial. Do you ask them if they have any inclination to be appointed to the Foreign Service or if— they become wealthy and support a candidate, for instance, to be to be named an ambassador. Has that happened in your two two hundred eighty folks? Uh, no, we're okay. our oldest people are in their probably early forties right now. Yeah, we do have we have a couple in the State Department right now. Okay, we have somebody in the State House in Massachusetts, yep. somebody who's a legislator in California. Uh, actually, Wes Moore's new chief of staff was a Mitchell Scholar. So some Our governor here in the state that, of Maryland. That's right. So his name is Fagan Harris. And so some are in politics. You, you can study anything. We just want people who are going to be leaders in their field, whatever the field is. And hopefully they'll maintain this connection to Ireland. So they're, they're you know, they're business, politics, academics, arts, everything. That's Trina Vargo. She's our guest today on What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. We're talking about the U.S.-Ireland Alliance, and specifically the Mitchell Scholarship. She is the founder and president of that organization. More to come after this. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. We are... Really happy to have with us today Trina Vargo in the studio. Trina is the founder and president of the U.S.-Ireland Alliance. They do a lot of things. One of the things they do that we've been talking about is their Mitchell Scholarship, which is a one-year scholarship for extraordinarily talented younger Americans to go spend a year at one of the great universities in the nation of Ireland. The I should say the island of Ireland because it's the, it's the full nation. A nation once again. I should start singing it. Before we get into kind of what's next for your organization and even for the for this for the scholarship, let me, let me ask about you. So you started this 25 years ago, uh, coming out of your role with Senator Ted Kennedy 
is there a new you? I mean, how, how have you built an organization underneath? What's what's the uh, annual kind of budget arena that we're talking yeah, about? This, what, what is next? This is the real question for the future because I, I did start this 25 years ago. We have never had the kind of resources that I think you need to have to do a scholarship. If you look at the other ones, if you look at the Rhodes, the Schwartzman, the Knight Hennessy, the thing that I didn't think about when I created this scholarship, for, and that may be a good thing or a bad thing, but I never realized that every other scholarship like this was founded with the wealth of the person whose name is on there. Yeah. Gates, Schwartzman, Rhodes. I kind of, I guess I felt if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Um, but they haven't. And so the trick is, can we endow this so we can go on after me? Um, mm-hmm. Demographics are changing in this country. You know, when I was started working on this in the 90s, there were 44 million Irish Americans. Now there are 34 million Irish wow, Americans. Yeah. What? The number keeps declining because fewer and fewer people have had to immigrate here. And usually, you know what? It's, it's for a good reason. It's because Ireland's become a wealthy and successful country. It's Celtic not, tiger. It's, it's yeah. not the Ireland of the 1980s anymore. Yeah. So some of that is for good reasons. Some of it, I mean, I'd like to see more people come here from Ireland. But, you know, the, the real question is, can you, can you have a future where, for me, what I'm going to have to decide sooner rather than later is either you have an endowment and you're building for succession and to be able to pass it on someday. We've only ever been a two-person organization. Okay. Or you just recognize that kind of money is not going to be forthcoming in this relationship, and it's about how you slowly wind it up. It's one or the other. Would wind it up mean potentially joining another organization, sort no, of merging? It would end the scholarship. Yeah. There's not. There aren't other organizations really to join. I mean, when we were created, too, the thing is a lot of existing organizations – we're all about, you know, shamrock shillelaghs, green beer, little girls with red hair running through fields. We are not that Irish America. Yeah. This is about a, a contemporary relationship with an island that has to do with business and culture and education. Um, and people, quite frankly, we're not just interested in just the diaspora, just people who have left Ireland. I'm interested in our Mitchell scholars can be Chinese American, Asian American, um, you know, Latino American, Jewish American, whatever. We welcome anybody who might take an interest in the island of Ireland. And you have to really expand like that if there is to be a future. That was my next question you just answered, which is that uh, when it, w- people chosen don't have to be Irish. Absolutely not. What's, what's the ratio in a given year? Is it sort you know of half what? and half? Because we don't ask, sometimes you don't know. Like my last name is Vargo, but part of my ancestry is Irish American. Yeah. So I, I couldn't even tell you what those numbers are. But, you know, I, I'd say, you know, maybe a Order of the people are actually Irish American, but I, I I am a, a big believer that if you get people to that island, yep. they love it, and I don't care what their background is. So, for example, I was I was saying earlier that we have one Mitchell scholar who I think is Polish American from New Orleans, went to Ireland to study, moved to Hong Kong, has been there ever since, was going to propose to his Chinese girlfriend, took her to Waterford Castle in Ireland oh, to propose. Stop. Yeah. So Too I perfect. yeah. So like I do think you know you're getting them to it that formative age, right, yeah. where your college years are so fabulous, the friendships, the relation, you know, you talk about that period of time in your life for, forever. Yeah. And I think if you can connect people at that time, you, we can keep them connected forever. So the idea of connection must be a very important part of both the Mitchell Scholarship, but even what you do in the U.S.-Ireland Alliance. How have you found the, quote, the hill here in Washington, D.C., or other political arenas or other types of arenas where you've been able to make any progress or are you trying to make progress in having an alliance between our nations grow stronger? Yeah, you know, it's it's I can to to be quite honest, it's changed a lot since back in the days of Kennedy. And I'd say it's on a continual slide downhill in the sense that if you look back to that period of time where you had Kennedy and Moynihan, these guys chaired committees that could have a big impact on the relationship. 
that's changing with demographics. McCarthy. It's just, it's just yeah, <laughs> it's, he's doing anything on Ireland. It's just not, a, it's not, a, you know, a huge factor anymore. The only thing, you know, Nancy Pelosi, who's no longer speaker, had some connection to the peace process, and Richie Neal did. Yep. Leahy's gone now. I mean, yeah. that entire, there's a whole generation that that have, that have just moved on. They've, you know, they're either deceased now or they've retired. And so, it's a it's a huge challenge going forward. Uh, it's not like it used to be. I mean, the Hill used to give us, um, and and I'm talking to the Hill right now. I'd like to see the Biden administration yeah. lock down the endowment. The, Mitchell, the uh, Irish government will match anything we raise up to 20 million for the endowment. So you know, sent, President Biden should say we'll, we'll do the other 20 million. But there just hasn't been the same kind of interest level. I mean, there's there's some there there's there is an interest in maintaining the Good Friday Agreement. And there have been, you know, resolutions and statements about Brexit and, and trade agreements. But I would argue that that is not so much about having Irish people in positions of influence uh, as it is just them doing their job. Of course, we we helped create the Good Friday Agreement. We want to see it maintained. Like, who, who you know, you wouldn't be against it. I mean, maybe Donald Trump didn't seem to care no. that much no. about the relationship. But George Bush, you know, kept giving money to the Mitchell Scholarship Program. So it's not really a Republican-Democrat thing. Yeah. Um, and we would hope that there, there would be some interest just even if you're – and I get the demographics where some people would say, ah, oh, who cares about Ireland? But it is, it is the English-speaking country now in the EU. Yep. I always feel that getting American students to go abroad – we were just talking – I went to McGill in Montreal. Getting American students outside this country is in of itself an important thing that we have to keep doing if we're going to be leaders in the world. And it's obvious that for a lot of Americans – the need, because you know we're not so great in the language department, the need to go to an English-speaking um, country to go for further education is kind of a requirement, and there's a limited number of countries you can go to for that. That's Trina Vargo with us. She's uh, president and founder of the U.S.-Ireland Alliance, which generates every year the Mitchell Scholarship. So it amazes me you just said the numbers of, was it 45 million under 34 30? 44 to 34. Yeah, yeah. so, but you think, and I, I as, a, as an Irish, as the son of a pure Irish father, Cops, firemen, and politicians, right? We, we used to sort of dominate politics yeah, the at the did, local, yeah. state, and sometimes federal level. Why do you, I mean, other than math, which I get, right. do you think Irish-American first or second generation are just not getting into politics for reasons that I'm not aware of? Well, you know, now you have as many uh, Irish-Americans who are Republicans as are Democrats. Uh-huh. And also, I think just as, you know, with every immigrant group, once you sort of rise in a country that you've come to— just as many are now are in business. Yeah. You know, at certain points, there are only certain avenues of advancement for your group. And like you said, for the Irish, that might have been politics and, the, you know, the, the police and the fire. Just like, you know, Jewish Americans would tell you Hollywood yep. was the only place that would take Jewish Americans. Yeah. So I think that happens with a lot of different groups. And over time, as they become successful and accepted in any country, they can branch out into all kinds of fields and endeavors, and, and I, they do. I, I guess you're right. My dad used to tell me that his parents, when they got here, saw a sign saying Nina, which stood for no Irish need apply, which, you know, it's, it's unimaginable today that we would have had, that, that America would have been, I mean, I guess it's not unimaginable when you realize the the, uh, the racism that we've had, both demographic and actual gender, generation racism. But the idea of them, I guess, I guess I'm... In a very long way, I'm agreeing with you that Irish Americans have reached levels of sophistication leadership uh, where they don't need to feel that they only have these fewer avenues. Right. But that being said, it sounds like they haven't turned around and helped your effort and others 
that sort of were the hands that fed them generationally. Yeah, and the um, the lack of interest also sort you know I think there the, the interest is there. We were talking about this earlier. The interest is there is, is not very deep, right? So lots of yeah. people are Irish on St. Patrick's Day. Yes. Um, well, we'll touch on and, that in and, a minute. And a, here. and a lot of them aren't even Irish. Yeah. You know, like we don't have those kinds of numbers that are out at St. Patrick's Day parades, but there. I think sometimes people just take the relationship for granted, and therefore, when you take something for granted, you don't think you have to give back to it. Yeah. But you know, it, I look. I always take the example of APAC, um, the American Israelis Political Affairs Committee. Yeah. They operate. There's only six million um, uh, American Jews. Yeah. There's 34 million Irish Americans. Yep. APAC operates on a budget of about 70 million dollars a year. <laughs> We've been trying to raise $25 million for a scholarship in 25 years, and we don't have it. So yeah. at some stage, you have to—the question I have always had from the moment that I created this is aside from the you know, the photo ops and the talking points and all that sort of thing, when, when you get right down to it, there's only sufficient interest in this relationship to the degree that resources are put into it. I completely agree, and the thin relationship— uh, seems to always rankle me a little bit. I mean, you know, the people make the joke that Notre Dame has 400,000 graduates because people align with that with the Golden Dome. And I actually, this past March, got off at Moynihan Hall uh, at about 7.30 a.m., taking the train up to New York on St. Patty's Day and walking up from Moynihan Hall to Midtown as the parade was gathering, so to speak, and the, the folks were standing on sidewalks just drinking like fish at 7.45 a.m., Forgive my soapbox, my friend, but I just wonder, these people think it's okay to be Irish for a day on St. Patty's Day and behave in ways that aren't really Irish. Walk me off that ledge. Should no, I, I mean, be that look, upset about it? I'm. It's not a great image no. for the country or the relationship. So I'm not somebody, I have to confess, I don't turn up at St. Patrick's Day parades. Okay. It's not It's yeah. not my world. Yeah. Um, don't yeah. go to Manhattan at 7.30 a.m. on St. Patrick's Day. That's my advice. <laughs> No, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah, I think we have to get beyond that sort of superficial, thin layer of this, this stereotype yeah. of being Irish American and, and, and really look at things that we can do to build the relationship. And one of the things we do is, you know, we, we do an event every year in Hollywood. And the whole idea between that Hollywood event was to introduce people in Ireland and Northern Ireland and connect them to people in the entertainment industry in L.A. in hopes that things would come of it. Yeah. One of the things that came of it was J.J. Abrams filming Star Wars on Skellig Michael. That uh, brings hundreds of it. millions of dollars to the Irish tourism Fantastic. economy. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff we want to do yeah. and not T-shirts and green beers. And, gra- and green yeah. hats. Yeah. Okay, so thank you. You've been a fabulous guest, but we ask all of our guests at the end of the show, Uh-oh. if you could, if you were king, or if you, if you ran the world, okay. forgive the channel. If you ran the world, what's one thing you would start happening or one thing you would stop happening or both? I would change. I wish there were 50-hour days instead of 24-hour days. Wow. Productivity play. <laughs> we could get some more done. Productivity play. I like it. That is unique, Trina Vargo. We've never had anybody ask for more time to be productive. But I would argue. <laughs> or rest. I'll, I'll take those hours to rest. Say, 25 and 25. <laughs> but but clearly what you and your colleague, I'll say colleague because it's two people, have built at the uh, – at the U.S. Ireland Alliance is an incredible thing. Where can our listeners go to learn more about it? Maybe even apply if they're listening to uh, to, to this about the Mitchell Scholarship. Yes, if you go to us-irelandalliance.org, in the middle of our homepage, it will tell you how you can donate, which is joining us. Um, and there is information there about how you can apply or steer any promising young person you'd like to study in Ireland to apply for the Mitchell Scholarship Program. Aaron Gobra. Gina, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Mark. The team behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraff. 
And that theme music you enjoy, performed by the Sunbathers. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.